You're listening to the Effective Statistician Podcast, a weekly podcast with Alexander Schacht and Benjamin Pieske, designed to help you reach your potential, lead great science, and serve patients without becoming overwhelmed by work. Today, I'm talking with Liz Cole about how and why to increase your external profile. <music> I really enjoyed talking with Liz about this topic, which I think is really, really important for you and will benefit you and will benefit your friends and colleagues being statisticians. So please share it. Just, you know, open up your Outlook, whatever email service you use and share this link with three colleagues. If you're listening to that while driving, then please do that you know, first thing um, when you stop. It would be really, really awesome if you could do that. Also, one thing uh, that I'm mentioning now in some intros is that you can listen to this podcast, of course, through the browser, but you can also listen it through any podcast apps that you can have free on your smartphone. So go in there, just search for The Effective Statistician, And please subscribe because then you get automatically developed C content each week. This podcast is produced in association with PSI, a community dedicated to leading and promoting the use of statistics within the healthcare industry for the benefit of patients. Join PSI, this awesome community, today to further develop your statistical capabilities with access the video-on-demand content library, which has lots of lots of videos, it's ever-growing, free registration to the many PSI webinars that happen throughout the year, and that for only £20 if you're in a non-high-income country, so annually £20, which is about nothing, and £95 for high-income countries which is also really, really reasonable. And I guess most companies even will pay that for you. So visit the PSI website at psiweb.org to learn more about PSI activities and become a PSI member today. Welcome to another episode of the Effective Statistician Podcast. And today I'm talking with Liz Cole. Hi, Liz. How are you doing? I'm very good, thank you. Alexander, how are you? I'm good. Also, I need to say I have a little bit of a cold today. So I am have my tea with me and some water. And I hope that helps me through the recording of the episode today. But yeah. It's a life of a podcaster that uh, sometimes <laughs> <laughs> work with, you know, these kind of uh, problems. But okay, today we are talking actually about a topic that is very close to my heart and that I'm training myself on for a couple, couple of years now. Yeah. And it's kind of meta because the topic we are talking about today is increasing your external profile and uh, we'll specifically talk about content marketing and how that fits into this and see the podcast of course itself is also content marketing it is indeed and very good content marketing it is as well 
Yeah, and that may sound frightening or somehow disturbing to some people, but I'm pretty sure that once you'll get a little bit into it, you'll learn as a listener that this is not actually frightening or disturbing or anything like that, but actually a very, very, very nice way to raise your profile. Okay, so, so let's start a little bit with a short intro and from yourself. So, so Liz, what has your career been looking like uh, up to now? Yeah, sure. So I am currently um, a marketing consultant, an independent marketing consultant in the biopharma services and software space. Um, my background is, I guess, what you'd call eclectic. Um, I've had quite a varied career, always within the pharma industry, um, but I've worked in a variety of commercial roles. Um, I have spent a lot of time in sales, which I think um, has been quite helpful. Um, but more recently, um, I worked in marketing and working for um, a, a, a biometrics focused CRO for a number of years. Um, so I've sort of developed a very strong interest in content marketing, particularly because I've really seen how effective it can be. Um, to sort of build build presence and audiences. Yeah. And yeah, through that is actually is that we got in contact because uh, you helped to organize a couple of episodes for this podcast already. And now you drive your own company. And so this company is really all about content marketing and a couple of other things. So for you, what is actually content marketing? Yeah, that's a that's a really good question. Um, and I think, you know, for me, it's probably broader than some of the definitions would have you believe. So, you know, when I t was sort of thinking about this before before the, the podcast, I looked at a couple of definitions. And one that I like is you know, it's about creating and distributing valuable, relevant and consistent content to attract and retain a clearly defined audience. Um, and I think that's that's broad enough, I would say. It's not necessarily always about winning customers. And we can we'll talk about that, I guess, a little bit later. Um, to me, it's about having conversations, being able to amplify the conversations that you might have one to one with people and um, having those conversations with more people and a, and a wider audience. And I think one of the things that I really like about content marketing is that, you know, in the space that we work in, it's not an overtly promotional tool if you're doing it correctly. You're really trying to add value to your audience and usually you will have a goal in mind for that and you'll have a goal for that engagement. But it is not, it's designed to really bring value to the people that you're talking to. And I think, you know, your podcast does that very well, that you're you're helping people with their day-to-day -day work. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's kind of providing content. It can be a blog, it can be uh, audio like here for the podcast, or it could be video, some kind of a content that helps people to overcome any, any pain. It could be, you know, increase, in, improve their understanding of statistics, improve leadership, improve all kind of different things. And that's why lots of lots of different companies have these kind of YouTube channels or um, blogs or whatsoever. So 
it's really helping others through this type of content. Yeah, that's right. And I, th- I feel quite strongly about this because I think, you know, whatever the format, and there are various formats that you can produce your content in, and that kind of matters less, I think, the format that should fit the message that you're, you're trying to express. But I think the key is, is that the content that you're creating for effective content marketing is not about you, it's about the audience. Um, and you have to kind of get out of your own, your own head and that, you know, that sort of tunnel vision that we can all have, um, and be thinking about, about the, whichever audience it is that you're, you're talking to and the issues that they face. Yeah. You need to have a mm-hmm. clear understanding of who your audience is. And for me, that's quite easy. That's basically myself. I'm part of the audience. <laughs> so, so it's a little bit about scratching my own egg, uh, back through that help others as well along the line to, to see kind of what were my learnings about the careers? Where do I struggle with? I learn about kind of my audience all the time because I'm talking to statisticians all the time. That's the really, really nice thing about it. If you're basically part of the audience, if you're not part of the audience, that's a little bit more difficult. You need to better understand the audience and make sure that, that you, um, you know, reach the goals. In terms of the format, I think actually it needs to fit your message but it also really needs to fit the let's say strengths of the producer so i actually started at one time earlier with with a blog and writing was not so much my thing so uh and video is so complex and highly sophisticated that i went to the blog <laughs> to the podcast so so yeah uh- I think that's true. I think definitely in any role you you want to play to your strengths. I think, though, I would say, and I, I do agree with you to, to a great extent, that actually some of the formats that we think are inaccessible and a little bit scary to work with um, are actually more accessible than perhaps you think if you break it down and you, um, you know, approach it in a, in a, realistic way um you know it doesn't have to be a huge a huge endeavor that you undertake yeah yeah there's very very for example for videos there's very very different formats there's some formats that are much more raw and kind of less highly produced and of course that helps with a lot of uh, things and if you want to show something that is more visual for example introduce a software it's yeah, video just is much more powerful than audio. So <laughs> if I would now say, and there's this blue button on the upper end where you can select the menu and then the third entry of the menu will be this. Yeah, so, so I think it's yeah. much easier to visualize certain things through video. Yeah, yeah. I do yeah. agree with that. Okay, so, so now we understand what content marketing is, but why is it relevant for uh, us statisticians uh, working in CROs and pharma or as, as freelance consultants? Yeah, so I think, again, that's a really good question because I think we can often tend to think, well, I'm not a marketer, so this is not relevant for me. Um, but we may not all be marketers or, or business development people, um, but we do all 
no matter who we are, we there's always an audience that we want to reach and engage with in whichever setting that you're you're working in. So I think if you're a statistician working in the CRO or you have your own consultancy, the applications of content marketing are probably more traditional. If you may want to be building out credibility for the kind of work that you're doing, the innovations that you're developing in your team and win more interesting work for your team, just simply win more work for your team and get the message out that you're you're producing really good work um, and it's being very well received in the industry. I think if you're working in a pharma company, one of the real challenges for statistical teams, as I understand, can c- correct me if I'm, I'm wrong on this, but I think there's a real competition for valuable talent. If com- employers are competing with one another for, for those people. So how do you build relationships with this passive candidate market of statisticians or programmers or whoever you, you, you want to, you want to convince to join your, your company? Content marketing is a really good way to do that. Um, you can build credibility as an employer, um, as a agent for career development and get establish those connections with those candidates before they even speak to you yeah yeah absolutely i think there's a couple of different goals i think as a service provider as a cro or uh, as a consultant you can basically raise your profile get more uh, authority through that uh, showcase what you can do and basically also tells success stories of of what you have done and um, so through that it's you can raise your profile acquire more business and uh, yeah get in touch with people that really want to work with you because of that so i think that's another nice thing it builds relationships and then you get the right customers not just any customers absolutely because you tell stories about the kind of things that that you enjoy doing and you want to do want to do more of and you know even in if you're working in a more academic academic setting you still have an audience that you want to become interested in as you say in your research build that authority and have your ideas adopted by other people it has very broad applications, I would say. Yeah, that's co- correctly true. It doesn't always need to have a kind of direct business impact that, you know, that's about uh, attracting customers or attracting talent. It can also just be the sheer distribution of your value. What you do, the research you do at uh, your university to share that more broadly through easy accessible things like podcasts blogs and and things like that that are much easier and faster to produce than any peer-reviewed paper you know peer-reviewed papers are still of course important but i think today they're not the only way how you can publish your research yeah i think that often um there's more to be told than you can possibly achieve through peer-reviewed publications because not everything is a deep piece of research there are still snippets of insights that you may have that are still valuable Um, and I think maybe you know statisticians do have a lot of insights to share that people 
in not just statisticians, but other functions, other stakeholders want to hear about. You know, I'm thinking particularly, you've talked a lot about that intersection between a CMO and, and a statistician and, you know, CMOs want to hear about the ideas and the insights that statisticians have because it helps run effective trials. Um, but how can you have those conversations and influence those people? You know, how can you disseminate that information more widely? And different kinds of content can help you to not only tell the stories in a more, maybe more accessible way, but also reach different audiences beyond your own function. Yeah. And you can even have, if you have, for example, group within a pharma company, you can have two different audiences. You can have the, you know, the stats audience outside to attract talent, or maybe you have an audience inside of your organization. See physicians, see real world evidence scientists, see biologists, the chemists, and so on that uh, you're working with. And it could be just kind of helping them grow their knowledge about statistics, uh, helping you to have a better impact within your company, helping you to build relationships within your company. An internal content marketing strategy could work either way. And that could be also be internal webinars or whatever. There's, there's lots of different things that you can think about. Yeah, that's right. And I think especially when you think about collaboration as being incredibly important for driving innovation forward in our industry, and these kind of tools can help to create those connections um, between groups, as you say, whether it's be internally or externally. I saw yesterday on LinkedIn, I haven't listened to them yet, but I think it was AstraZeneca doing a, a series of podcasts on data science innovations. And, you know, that's the kind of content that is will be useful for both folk internally, as you say, but also the whole ecosystem of stakeholders um, that are looking to drive innovation forward and and do things better in the industry um just in general it doesn't have to be you know a specific commercial goal as you say yeah yeah and i think generally kind of in our space we are now competing with um companies like google amazon ebay airbnb and whatsoever uh on on talents and statistics um and showcasing what you can actually do as a statistician within the pharma industry or within the, let's say, broader health industry, there's so much nice and important things that you can do. And, of course, for me being a statistician in this field, it's it's very close to my heart. And I, you know, think that, you know, helping patients is just really really rewarding may not everybody feel that way but um, i think telling these stories to uh, others will help to raise your profile as a company will help you to raise your uh, profile as a group and potentially will also help you to raise your profile personally so um how do you think about this this personal profile and i think it's something that I see happening 
a lot in other industries perhaps but I think is underutilized maybe um, in the statistical community but I do think that thinking about content marketing and when I say that I mean more broadly about telling stories and creating authority and sharing insights I think it it is incredibly valuable for anyone um, to think about doing that because I've seen it happen where you can build up your authority and your influence by producing insights and content that may not be peer-reviewed journals, but they're still adding value to people. Um, And it can actually have an impact on your career, um, on your research and your organisation. You know, it could be participating in a podcast or, you know, there's a great way that you can just produce an article on LinkedIn using the LinkedIn blog tool or contributing to internal or external webinars. Um, you can get your ideas to, to reach you know, many more people than, than you would be able to. Um, and I think people, people are really receptive to that. I don't think, I think people might be held back. I don't know what you think, Alexander, but I think people can feel held back from doing that because they don't want to appear, you know, that they're always promoting themselves, but it's not, you're not promoting yourself if you're, if you're doing it in the right way. What you're doing is helping the people that you, you work with and you engage with. Yeah, I think that is the primary goal. You first need to provide a service you first need to help people and if that is your primary goal everything else yeah will follow from absolutely that. it come, has to come from that place in in the beginning and i think people are very discerning now um about how they receive how they receive content and you know if you're thinking about that right at the beginning that you're wanting to add value by creating content to and you know, sharing in, in on your personal profile, you can't really go far wrong. I think if your intentions are good and your intentions are helpful and you're looking to add that value, then I don't think you should be afraid that you will come across as overly promotional because it's quite difficult to do that. Yep, completely agree. And especially if you're doing that as an as an individual or maybe just as a you know two good friends that want to do this together you're just you know sharing helpful information and your only goal might be to boost your career or to find the next job these are goals that just maybe one listener to you will basically help you achieve but because you help a lot of people, you know, it's it's really not salesy in any way. I think that's a really nice thing about these personal things. So Steve Ruberg, for example, uh, who was on yeah. this podcast uh, some time ago, he has his personal blog because he told me it's so frustrating with all the peer-reviewed papers. It takes so long until he gets them. And then, you know, there's so much back and forth with all the peer reviewers. And he just, you know, he's not so interested anymore in getting lots of additional academic credits. He wants to 
get his thoughts out and be published and be discussed. And that's the other nice thing. You can very nicely start a discussion and have a discussion online on these medium, whereas that's much harder in peer-reviewed journals. It's also possible, but the barriers are much, much bigger. Yeah, I think that's right. And I think on that, you know, just sort of developing from that peer-reviewed journal point I think we discussed before you know not everybody has time to be fully up to speed with every journal article that could be relevant for them so even even if you have produced a piece of research you, you know it's quite useful to think about how you can amplify that and get it seen in a wider context by by sharing it in a different way if you if you've got a new publication that you want, really want people to know about you know why not blog about that as well so that more people will see it or do a podcast and showcase some of the key highlights or insights from it yeah absolutely and then you can tell lots of you know related stories about it so that people see it from different perspective and it's basically then just brings the peer-reviewed paper into lots of lots of more people's minds and that's what you want to do because otherwise if you have written a nice paper and nobody reads it well What's the impact that you have done? Then you have just, you know, nice line on your CV in terms of your references, but that's probably not all there is in terms of uh, changing the world with, with your uh, innovations. Yeah, because I think to there will be people, I mean, I don't know, I'm, I'm imagining that there will be people that will, you could be, you could find yourself speaking to the audience that is already interested and actually what you want to what you need to do is ignite an interest in in people who who may not have been aware that this was even an issue and they therefore because they didn't even know it was an issue they wouldn't be looking for your for your research you can access those people by disseminating that in a in a different in a different way okay so let's talk a little bit about the problems and the barriers that people stop from you know promoting their uh, content from uh, actually writing or recording uh, content in the first place and, and then publishing it so where do you see people stumbling Yeah, so I think the the first barrier I would say is actually that, uh, and this is among an audience like in, among people like statisticians, it's that fear of seeming to be very salesy or marketing led, um, and that resistance to that, um, and I think that's probably one of the first stumbling stumbling blocks is just not buying into it as a concept that it's it's has value and and you can do it in an authentic way just just on that i have over the years developed a different mindset about that so when i now see people doing something really good within the organization within the uh, community and they don't tell others about it I think this is basically a disservice to the organization or the community. Because if you don't inform others about it, you don't give them the chance to benefit from it. I think it's 
I see it now completely the other way around. It's this service if you're not doing it. Yeah, well, that is a that's a very good way of looking at it, I think. Um, because you, as if you're coming from that place, as we just said before, of wanting to help people, why wouldn't you want to give them that help? And people just need to hear very often about it or, you know, see it. And so, so if you don't bring it to the people, they will not benefit from it. I once heard about, uh, you know, some, something about organizational theory. And if you have just done something in your organization, Your organization is not yet benefiting from it. You need to report it back into the organization. Only then the organization can use it, reuse it, and only then you have provided value to the organization. So hmm. think about it. If you have, let's say, don't know, completed an SAP, but you don't tell anybody about it, there's no value yeah. in it, you know? Just because the SAP sits on your uh, drive or somewhere, nobody can use it because nobody knows about it. And the same thing is with any of these other innovations. If you're doing something great and people very often underestimate how much value they bring, talk about it be so that other people can benefit from it. Share it through um, publications, share it through webinars, share it through uh, presentations at conferences, posters. I think that is an absolute essential duty that everybody has. Yeah, and it's very much in the spirit of scientific advancement as well, isn't it? Because if you don't share your ideas, that can't then spark something else in somebody else um you know it, it's a whole exactly. you know evolution and momentum that you you can create by doing that um in that spirit of collaboration what else in terms of barriers yeah yeah so i think having setting out clear goals and objectives for what you want to do no no matter how big or small that is you know what the audience is that you want to reach how you want to reach them and and tactically how how are you going to do that um, in what what formats are you going to do it um, and I think having that in hand then helps to overcome one of the other barriers which is getting that buy-in from around the business or, you know, in other groups in your company. So even a really simple, simple plan, um, I think simplicity and, you know, starting small um, will help, helps to overcome that. You don't have to have some huge set of resources or, you know, massive team of people. Um, you know, you could create a set of three or four LinkedIn articles or you could, you know, say we're going to go on a podcast and a webinar and write an article about this innovation that we've we've done. It doesn't have to be always very ambitious. I think actually starting small and being consistent will help helps to overcome that kind of that block that people have. And then I think also it's again another fear and fear often holds us back from a lot of things, doesn't it? But I think it's the fear that you alluded to earlier that, that you, you're not, you, you, you can't create things. Um, and you, you know, you need resources to create very polished pieces. But you, I think if you, if you keep that realistic, have a realistic 
goal. Um, and as you'd said, find a format that works and is accessible and, and, and works, then you can, you can produce quality content. And the content really is the insight. It's not how shiny or polished it looks at the end of the day. It's, it's, it's the substance of what you're saying that's important. It's not to be afraid of that. Yeah, I think it needs to be perfect, I think is very often the problem. And uh, this perfectionism holds us back from producing. And the really interesting thing is you only get to improve things if you try and do things. That's the same yeah. with my podcast. You know, if you go back to the first episodes, I'm probably sounding very, very different than I'm sounding now where I've recorded close to 100 episodes now. And there's a lot of learning through the process. There's a lot of learning in terms of becoming more efficient in how you do things, you know, on how to structure things and, you know, on what works well and what doesn't work well. And over time, you hone in your skills more and more, being it on the writing side, that you create better sentences, that you get, create a better flow in your article, or being it on the video side, that you get the lighting better, get the camera better, get the script better, get the, you know, how you move in front of the camera better, and here with a podcast, how to speak better, yeah, how to yeah. tell better stories, how to um, stay engaged over a longer period of time, how you use your voice in a better way, um, how you use your equipment in a better way. All these things only you learn by just doing it. And so being comfortable with producing something that is value, but it, that's not perfect, that is, I think, a big step yeah, moving forward. I completely agree with you on that. I think that, that 100%, that is absolutely it because, you know, perfection perfectionism is your enemy of any productivity. And that's not to say you don't want to be have quality, um, but this kind of loop that people can find themselves in where you're constantly re you know having approval cycles and and wanting to get everything absolutely right that isn't you're never going to be 100% perfect um once you've reached a certain level and that's for you know you to determine what that is then put it out you get the feedback from that and as you say you then learn from that and you move on um, to the next thing and that's something I struggled with personally when I started working in, in the content marketing um, field so I know I know how how difficult that is to actually do in practice but you when you've got to um, put out a blog or an article um in the end, you have to just let it go um, and, and, and move on um, and get comfortable with that. Yeah. So let's uh, finish up with the barriers. What other barriers do you think are out there for people? I think, I mean, we've talked about quite a few of them. Um, and I think that perfectionism is probably one of the main ones. I think there's also the buy-in, getting buy-in, because you know, it can, it's something that can really fall on the back burner when you've got other priorities ahead of you. But it's about small, consistent effort. So, you know, how do you keep that consistent drip of 
the storytelling going um even in the busy times how do you keep that a, a priority because it's you know as, as you alluded to it's that snowball as you learn things over time and you develop more insights then it's that it's the it's the combination of all of those small efforts that you will then start to see that authority and influence um increase not through one big big effort if that makes sense completely agree it's consistency and that's one of the things that I learned when I was doing my first blog that I was writing something, hitting publish. And then I said, hmm, I want to be published on a weekly basis. And then every week I was kind of, oh, I still need to write that. I then shifted for the podcast to a different model where I actually produced a lot of content. And only when I had a couple of weeks actually nearly three months of content on the shelf i started to publish and that took a lot of the pressure out of you know the system because i always have this buffer in terms of uh, recording to publishing time so i always have material on the shelf that i can publish next week and that makes it easier to work for example through stressful times in the job, through vacation periods, and all the other unforeseen things that happen in life. So pre-planning, pre-producing is a very, very simple and easy way yeah. to, to get out of that. I think another, another barrier that people often think about is the technical side of things. But to be honest, just type in how to start a blog and you'll probably have lots of lots of materials on how to easily start your blog on a you know maybe on a foreign hosted yeah. site like linkedin or something like this or on your own wordpress site so there's lots of opportunities here producing something on youtube is well it can't be more simple than that yeah setting up a podcast that's actually very nice there's a couple of very very nice tutorials actually free tutorials on on uh how to get started and yeah, yeah just just look for that i learned a lot from pat flynn with his podcast program and i'll put that into the rev references as well yes so i think that the technical issues can all be overcome of, as you said alexander because there's a many tools available now many templates and playbooks that you can access um so i think focus on what you want to say um and really you know commit to the fact that you do have good good stories to tell um and then any of the technical issues can be can be overcome yeah and drive that as an experiment yeah just you know commit you don't need to commit to, to doing it for your the rest of your life maybe just commit to doing it for let's say half a year and and test things out and see how it works and then after half a year you can do an assessment okay are we on a growth track here is that taking too much up too much bandwidth can we do something different can we 
maybe collaborate with someone else to share the burden. So, and can we make it more fun? I think that is also really, really important. That's one of the reasons why I'm doing these on a regular basis together with Benjamin, uh, where we are recording, because it's much more fun to record it together. And of course, it's also fun to, to interview <laughs> guests like you, Liz. So, yeah. <laughs> What other resources uh, would you recommend to, to people that want to get into this content creation mode? Yeah, so I have a few tools that I use all the time. So one thing is, is that a lot of people prefer talking um, than writing. Um, and that can work great to produce a podcast, as as you've described. But you can also use your verbal eloquence to create written content because there's many transcription tools available that can at least give you a starting point um, to help you create a first draft. So if you were to either work with a ghostwriter or record something yourself about your um, insights and a topic that you're interested in, you can then get very cost effectively have that transcribed so two tools two websites that i recommend for that are rev.com which is yeah i use that as well yeah yeah human transcription but also i've recently found temi.com um which is i think it's owned by rev i could be wrong um but that's an ai um, based transcription um so it it's really works really well um both both work well uh, and I wouldn't want to live without those tools um, things like can you can also use YouTube for that by the way so uh, if you upload something on YouTube it uh, transcribes things automatically uh, as well if you have your own um, channels there so but that's pretty easy to set up yeah I mean that's that's it's great and it's yeah something that I think is a real time saver um at least to get your initial thoughts down um you don't have to write everything down if that's not not the way that you you want to work and things like canva um for graphics and slides I think are really really useful if you wanted to create a, a sort of slide presentation or something for a, a webinar that you would want to do um I think that's a really a really good and intuitive tool um, and something like Vengage for infographics and social media graphics. It, I also find um, really helpful. And then Grammarly, I think, is a must for anything when you're producing any written work. I think it's, it, has its, it has its drawbacks, but it is, it is pretty effective. And I use the professional version of that to self-edit and, and proofread. And then for organization, uh, monday.com, I like. I think that's a useful uh, project management tool. And GoToWebinar, I think, is a good platform for webinars, but I know there's lots of lots of platforms. I think we haven't really talked about webinars too much, Alexander, but I think people can be a bit put off by webinars, um, but I think they're actually quite simple um, way to share insights and bit, you know, can be more cost effective than you know, conferences and, and other sort of event type promotions. Yeah, and I use Zoom for that. It's if you want to use it for webinars, it has a. I just use the kind of usual Zoom rooms, and it comes with a nominal, I don't know, ten or twenty euros 
price per month or something mm -hmm. like this. Uh, and then you can use it for webinars up to 100 people very, very easily. If you want to have more than 100 people, then you probably will need to invest a little bit more. But um, yeah, there's a couple of different tools for having webinars. Well, especially at the beginning, you will not have thousands of listeners directly from the start. So these tools are then pretty cheap. Yeah. These 100 euros or something like that, that you may spend for all the different tools that you're using. Or maybe it's not even 100, maybe just 50 euros a, a month or something like this that you can start with and have the most basic things. Lots of these tools also have a free testing version that you can use. And so it's an easy start uh, into this world. Yeah. Yeah, and we've got this, I mean, it's a whole new world now that we're in compared to where we were you know, even a few years ago. Um, the advancements in these kind of tools that are available uh, make everything so much more accessible, even for, you know, ordinary people to, uh, yeah, to publish and, and share their knowledge. Yeah, completely agree. There's, by the way, also a couple of podcasts about content marketing, and I'll add some to the list in the references as well. So to sum it up here, where can people find you and uh, how can you help people with content marketing? So you can find me on LinkedIn, um, Liz Cole, and um, also on my website, which is LizColeMarketing.com. And I can... Also in the show notes. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I can help with a variety of, of different activities. So um, content production, um, I can help your you, you to tell your stories or help your team um, to do that. I can help you just as a sounding board to talk through your content marketing ideas and, and your plan. So from a variety of planning, strategic or just content production, um, I'd be happy to you know chat with anyone that has any ideas as well or just wants to brainstorm um, what they want to do. Awesome. Thanks so much. This was an amazing episode because we covered so much. We covered uh, what content marketing is, why it's relevant for us statisticians in the different settings that we're working in, that it helps us from an organizational point of view, but also from a personal point of view. And that says a couple of limiting beliefs that we might have about it, but I think we busted them quite, quite nicely yeah. today. And there's a lot of technical things out there that can help you produce content in a, in an easy and straightforward way so that you can consistently help your audience to achieve something they would like to achieve. Thanks so much, Liz, for this very, very nice interview and talk to you soon. Thanks so much, Alexander. Speak soon. This show was created in association with PSI. Thanks for listening and thanks to Rain who helps with the show in the background. You can find all the links that we mentioned in the show notes and you will find there are also lots of other material that helps you to boost your career as a decision in the health sector. Please remember to tell your colleagues about this podcast. As always, I'm ending with reach your potential, lead great science, and serve patients. Just be an effective statistician.